Pastor Chris, and it's great to see so many familiar faces, some new faces, lots of people uh, here today, and then also all of you that are online too, whether you're watching this live or also um, in the coming days, we are grateful that you're, you are with us too, and you're just as much a part of this going on here as those who are present. And um, in the life of the church, which we'll talk about uh, towards the end of the service, we have a lot of great Great things that are going on, ways to get connected, ways to serve. And of course, in less than two weeks, we have Christmas Eve, which is a huge, huge time in the life of the church, but also in the lives of many people who um, might not be, church might not be their thing, or maybe it's been a while since they've been back. So we're going to share a little bit more about that later, but I want to encourage you to be thinking and praying about who you might invite to join us for uh, one of two services that we'll be having here at Table Life Church. And also, one of those, so we have a 4.30, that's going to be outdoors, and a 6 o'clock, and the 6 o'clock will also be online. Well, um, I was thinking about this kind of theme of lights, illuminate, that we've been uh, camped out in during this Advent season. We have lights that are decking this place, but also the lights that we have put up in our homes, right? I don't know if you're a light putter up or a specific decorator. Well, I was reflecting on this a little bit uh, this week, and I realized that I've been having some light problems this year. And what I mean by that is, well, right after Thanksgiving, I'm a kind of traditionalist in that sense. I wait until, like, you know, after that holiday in order to uh, begin decorating and putting my tree up out of its happy box in the attic. And... I set it up, put the lights on. Of course, I had to wait to put the ornaments on a little bit so that the cat got it out of his system, that he would do his little climbing thing, and he forgets about it. So I put the tree up, had the lights on. You know, it's all, like, nifty and that kind of thing. Well, about, like, 24 hours later, I realized, like, the little light switch on my side that powered those lights, like, wouldn't work. And I'm like, oh, boy, like, what's going on? And I know in the parsonage, there's been these little plugs that have been installed, and that one wasn't, like, lighting up like green. So I had, uh, who's our, our wonderful, where is he, Dave, our electrician man, who has come out and helped fix that guy. Well, last week, I got home on Monday, I believe it was, and I had finally spent some time decorating my outdoor, uh, my trees out front and my lights in the windows, and I arrived home to find a dark house. Well, the outdoor plug had gone, or at least it had blown the, the little switch there to protect it from catching fire and burning the whole place down, which is a good thing as well. So once again, you know, a little text to Dave, like, can you help me relight my house again? Fortunately, it was an easy fix. And then, then I arrived to church where we had recently put some lights on outside on our bushes and our little front sign there, and it was it'd been a kind of crazy weather this last week or so with lots of wind. And lo and behold, it had totally taken my lights that I had put up around our sign and ripped them in two. Ripped them totally in half so this half doesn't light up happily, the other half does. And I'm like, I am having some disruption in my lighting this year. I'm having some lighting issues. I don't know if you've had any lighting issues, whether literally or figuratively, you know, um, any kind of disruption, you know, where you've had plans, you've even set things up, you had an agenda there, things to do, you know, life gets busy, but then the lights go out, <laughs> and it's disruption, 
you're disrupted. Maybe that's you this year in one way or another. Maybe it's anything from buying gifts for someone and you're trying to find something and guess what? The store shelves are totally empty. Or maybe your life has been disrupted in another way. Maybe a little bit more intense or serious way with with an illness or something happening in your family. Well, we're in this series called Illuminate. And and our key verse that we've been focusing on uh, is taken from John's gospel. We have four accounts of life and ministry of Jesus. John doesn't actually have the Christmas story in it, but he kind of describes Jesus as the light coming into the world. So I'd like us to share this verse as we've been doing each week to share it together. So on the count of three, let's say this together. One, two, three. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And that's been our focus, is this idea of Jesus as the light of the world coming into the world, coming into and entering into the darkness. And of course, when it comes to disruptions, darkness itself can be a disruption, right? But when you think about it, so can light. Light can also be a disruption. We use phrases like, this shed light on something, or it came to light. See, light can be even more powerful than darkness when it arrives because it can cause you to see things that you haven't before. It can cause you to even see maybe a new path or a different way of going than you had even imagined. But also, disruption can be a key place for discernment. When we are disrupted, it can be a key place for discernment. And if anybody discovered that, It was Mary. It was Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I have to say this, the story of Mary, especially uh, when she first appears on the scene, it's one of the, what I would have to say, weirdest or craziest and even kind of comical stories, if you can kind of see it play in your head. Uh, It's the story of what's called the Annunciation, a big word that means basically announcement, the announcement of the good news. The good news of Jesus is coming. But of course, we see in the story, for Mary, it probably seemed a little bit different. And so we're going to share today from Luke's gospel, Luke 1, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. I'm going to share this as a big, um, just the whole story together, and then we'll kind of unpack some of the pieces here. So Luke tells us, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. We talked about him last week. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think about what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you'll name him Jesus. He'll be very great be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never, ever end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Good question, right? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more? What's more? Get this. Your relative, Elizabeth, she's become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son. And is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, 
I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. And might I add, never to appear again. So the story, in a nutshell, angel shows up to Mary. Angel announces, Mary, you're going to be pregnant, and this is going to be a great thing. Everything is going to work out. You will name him Jesus. Mary says yes. Then she goes on after this passage. She goes to visit Elizabeth. She sings a song, and life goes on as normal. The end, right? Well, if we pause, and if we really, really look at this, this may be one of the strangest stories of disruption that we have. See, it was a strange choice, first of all, of God. It was a strange choice of God, something that God brought to light. See, Mary is a very odd choice to be the mother of the Messiah. Uh, She's young. She's probably around 13 years old. Maybe you've heard that. You know, she's poor. She later calls herself, she defines herself as servant, or it's actually a word that means also slave in the Greek. And get this, Get this, she's from Galilee. Galilee's like backwoods. So who here is from Prairie County? Loud and proud right here, right? Backwoods, like you are loud and proud. You go tell someone, it's like Galilee, right? See, we got it here. Jeff is like super, super, Pastor Jeff is super into this. So it's like, yeah, it's like, oh, wow, it's those people, right? (laughs) It's those people, those backwoods country people, like they they hunt all the time and fish and they do their own thing. Like that's what people would like talk about. That's where she's from, that kind of region in Israel. But on top of that, and maybe this is something maybe you haven't thought about before, there's a chance that Mary was an orphan. Chance she was an orphan. Why? Well, she goes to visit Elizabeth. Think about that. There's no mention of Mary's mother in the story. The first person that any young woman at the time having a pregnancy would most likely go to. She goes to visit Elizabeth. But if you put all this together, you see that there's something strange going on here. It's a very strange choice, but also a strange message. A strange message brought to light. See, there's this incredible nature of what the angel shares. Something that's very, not easy to swallow at all. But what does the angel tell her to do? Rejoice, right? In other words, winner, winner, chicken dinner here. Yes, you got this, Mary. This is awesome. And then she, he goes on and says that you're going to have a baby and God is proud of you, Mary. That's why this is happening. Imagine Imagine what's going on in Mary's head. Imagine if you had just received that news. I don't know about you, but some of us, like we think about 14 million thoughts in the context of about 10 seconds. Well, as as, uh, Mary is is kind of processing this, uh, I imagine that Luke's statement here about in his description of what she's feeling, confused, right? Confused. Wouldn't you be super confused sharing that announcement? Sometimes we think that confusion means that that God is not with us, that God is absent from us, because after all, God is not the author of confusion. But we have to understand that, that our confusion is on our end as human beings. That confusion might actually indicate, as it does for Mary, God's presence even with her. But finally, we see that there's also a very strange road ahead for Mary. 
And I think that's part of what was going on in her head at this time. Because there's risk and there's danger that's inherent in what the angel is suggesting. First of all, it's not easy being an unwed mother, a single mom. It's not easy today, and especially it wasn't easy 2,000 years ago. Uh, Mary is probably thinking, you know, she would lose her husband-to-be, Joseph. Last week we talked about that whole extent of the story, how Joseph had every right due to the Old Testament law, every right to have her either put to death or just dismissed quietly and ostracized for the rest of her life. Who else would want to marry her? Uh, she would face possible punishment, physical harm or death or, or just being put off on the side in the community. And even more, as she's trying to raise this child, this is all going through her head at the same time, there's financial support, right? You got to live on something. What would she do to make ends meet? And emotional support. Who's she going to go to when that kid is like staying up until like 3 a.m. having a party, right? Who's she going to go to? She's disappointed, this is hard. This is hard stuff. And yet, yet this is supposed to be good news, right? Have you ever had a moment like that when life was completely disrupted? Maybe, maybe part of that has been the last two years. If you're a teacher, you especially know this. You're trying to figure out what's going on and from a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, the disruption that we've encountered This is supposed to be good news for Mary, but everything is a total disruption to everything she had planned. Everything. I think, for me, this is her story, is an equivalent of what I call a twisted publisher's clearing house. I don't know if you remember those commercials a long time ago where you had, what's his name? Um... Oh, and McMahon, that's right. I just slipped my mind. He like knock on the door and like, surprise, you're the winner of Publishers Clearinghouse and you've just won the million dollars and you get this stuff in the mail and ever. This is like the opposite. This is like, knock, 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 turmoil for you, like for the next, you know, rest of your life. Isn't this fantastic? See, the angel has the nerve to finish telling her, trust me, this is going to be awesome, Mary. See, when I read this story, it strikes me almost as counterintuitive because isn't God supposed to show up and make life easier? Isn't he supposed to show up not to make life harder and more complicated when he calls you? But for Mary, that's exactly what the advent of Jesus did. I think about my own story as I see Mary's story. I think about how I had my life planned before me. I I was going for a degree in environmental science, a master's degree. I had already graduated from undergrad and had this great uh, prospect of working and job, and even a job that was lined up, and I was doing all this stuff. And lo and behold, I go back to church after being absent for a period of time and come to a, what I call a personal faith in Christ where I began to see him at work in my life and other people. And lo and behold, God messes everything up and he calls me into ministry. What's with that? I was like, what is going on here? Like, I, I just have all this God. Like, can't I just like do that on the side? And, just... and to me in my heart, it was like, no, no, no. You need to follow this. And I have to say this, and at the time, I had no idea what I was doing at all. I was, this was all new to me. 
I called it Protestant land. I grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition, and Protestant land was like, whoa, I didn't know these hymns. I didn't know, like, what do you do in a service? I didn't know all the kind of practices and, and things. You know, if you think, like, Catholicism is very, you know, rigid or has lots of different things you have to do, when you enter into any new world, especially a church world, it's really, really confusing. And I was like, God's calling me to this? Like, also, I'm a girl. It doesn't happen. Like, how does that work? But it's very interesting. My first reaction to one of the coolest things that God would do in my life, my reaction was to resist it and to shut it down because of what was unknown ahead of me and what would be very hard. That was my first reaction. And my suspicion is that I'm not alone in that. My suspicion is that in your own story, there's been a time that you've been disrupted. And maybe what later turned into a wonderful thing, you didn't know it at the time, but it was very scary and uncertain, and there was a lot of darkness, and you didn't know what was ahead. But when God appears in our lives, it's often through a disruption. It's often through a disruption. It's true for most of us. God's call to us will more often look like disruption than it will the arrival of calming peace and happiness. Uh, The author and theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it like this. We talked about him before. He says, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. God will will be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans by sending us people with claims and petitions. We may pass them by, preoccupied with our more important tasks. Our first reaction is usually to resist. It's usually to resist God's call. Instead of welcoming him, we just want to shut it down and say, no, 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 I, I don't know how that will turn out. I don't know what looks like down the road. But we have to understand that when, when Jesus appears in our lives, it's usually not to come to give us more money or to make us happier or to give us all that kind of prosperity. See, Jesus is just as likely to nudge you to sacrifice your time than to give you time off. He's just as likely, or probably more likely, to cause hard conversations among your family and friends as he is to provide harmony. He's just as likely to push you to give up money than he will to give you more of it. This is how he shows up. Jesus can be what I call like a disruptive, chaotic force. He throws up everything in the air for Mary, everything she had planned for her life, And I don't know what you do when your life is disrupted, but I know what Mary did. See, the scripture says Mary was afraid and confused. And I love it that she asks that really good follow-up question after the announcement that the angel gives her. In verse 34, Mary asks the angel, but of course, logically, how can this happen? I'm a virgin, right? Underneath, she's asking, how can all this happen, right? There's fear, there's that instinct to want to shut things down. And I know for myself, when I encounter disruptions, whether on a daily basis or something, a big life change, my my reaction can range from mere annoyance, right, to to anger, to, to running away. And yet, standing against what my gut reaction is, is what Mary did. Because after the confusion and the questions of clarification... Verse 38, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. 
May everything you have said about me come true. She says yes. She says yes to God without knowing what was going to happen miles down the road. She said yes, not knowing what was going to transpire three, uh, 33 years down the road. She didn't know what that road would entail, and yet she says yes. And then we see just a few verses later when she arrives to visit her cousin, she sings a song, words that we sung together this morning, a song that's traditionally called the Magnificat, where Mary responded, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. She was able to welcome the disruption. She was able to hold her plans loosely, even to rejoice. Isn't that weird? Isn't that confusing? Like, how do you do that? She was able to rejoice, which is what, interesting enough, the angel asked her to do at the very beginning of the story. Full circle here, right? It means to trust in a God who is going to do something significant, significant with her, even if it disrupted the plans she had already made. See, friends, preparing for Jesus means being open to disruption. It means being open to disruption. See, Christmas, Christmas is often made to be so much about what we want and what we have planned and what we hope people will do and act and all the traditions that we have. But preparing for Jesus is something different than preparing for Christmas. Christmas is about keeping traditions, but preparing for Jesus might mean breaking them. Preparing for Christmas often is about keeping our plans, but preparing for Jesus may be about setting aside yours. Preparing for Christmas, it may be about making lists of all what we want and what he wants and what they want, but preparing for Jesus may be crumbling up your list for what God may want for you. That's the reason why many people will do Christmas, is it's safe, it's comfortable, but they may miss Jesus altogether. See, Jesus, well, as with Mary, Jesus doesn't come alongside your plans to make them better. He comes alongside, and what he does is disrupt them. He disrupts them, and our ideas about what we think life is all about, and maybe, just maybe the last two years has been a training ground for that to be more open, to instead of like this on what we want, to kind of let go and release that. Because if Jesus really shows up in your life, it's likely not to be in the way that you had planned. But it's up to you. It's up to you to say yes. God gives us that gift to respond, to say yes, and that gift of free will. And so in this today, this morning, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you, first of all, to, to those of you who are either new to faith or maybe coming back to church after a while, um, I want to give you a heads up that Jesus is likely to mess with you. He's going to mess with you. He's going to challenge some of the things that you wanted to do with your life and how you've been living. He's going to challenge some of the people you've been spending time with and how you're spending time with them, and what you're doing with your body, and what you're doing with your time, 
and how you're spending your money. What, he's going to mess with those things because he wants to do something new. And those of you, those of us who have been in church a while, those of us who say that we've been following Jesus for decades, we can get complacent. We get complacent, don't we? We get complacent in our habits and our thinking about that we already assume we know what God wants. Sometimes Jesus needs to disrupt that to remind you, to remind you that God is not done with you yet. Regardless of your age or how long you've been in church or how long you've been following him, maybe he needs to show you how you've been clinging to some things. You've gotten into a rut with your relationship with him and he wants to show you more. But either way, either way, if we resist something that takes the plans that we have and elevates them above his, that if we take traditions that we follow or the way that we're used to living or doing our lives and carrying out life, then we may miss Jesus. But instead, instead we can look to the example of Mary merely in a life-changing way said yes. Yes to the darkness because she trusted the light was coming. Just like my Christmas lights, right? Sometimes they go out because they need to grab your attention. You got to pay attention because in the midst of that disruption is a place to figure things out, a place enriched in discernment. And sometimes Advent Sometimes Advent is indeed that simple. Sometimes it means setting aside what you thought you were going to do and instead obeying what God wants to do. Sometimes it means setting aside what you thought you were going to be and instead taking on what God and who God wants you to be. Sometimes the Christmas lights going out in our lives can be the best thing that has ever happened. So my question to you this morning Will you say yes? Will you say yes to God in the disruption? Because I believe God is doing something disruptive and different and new. And that means for us to welcome and embrace the disruption and to say yes, even without knowing where that will head, knowing that there will be a cost, that we lose our, we take our plans and hold them loosely. And that's a way the only way that we actually cultivate that sense of joy and a way to praise. Not just when things go the way I want, but even when they don't. Because deep down inside, I may know, I may know that God may not be doing exactly what I want, but indeed God may be bringing light into the darkness. We know for a fact the darkness has not overcome it. And as is our custom here at Table Life Church, we share in our response to what we've heard and sung and celebrated today around the table. And um, as part of our response today, um, I know that there's some that are with us and some worshiping online. Um, You know that God's been calling you. Maybe not to stand up here and preach a message, but he's been calling you to maybe take that step of faith or a next step in faith. He's been calling you to a specific action. And, and I ask today that as we come forth to the table, as you come forth to the table, to say yes. 
to say yes, to let that be your act, that be your, your response to say, yes, God, I'm going to let you have your way. And that's why we do this. It's our response to what we have received and, and all that God has done in our lives is that we remember around this table. You know, when we gather together with folks around uh, Christmas time, you know, don't we remember lots of things? We share in stories. We remember the ways that we have been together. And that's the same thing we do around this table as well. That we remember that we are God's people. And that, that we confess in our hearts, we confess to God the ways that we have not measured up, the ways we've made mistakes and messed up, that uh, we failed again. And God knows all that, but we confess that to him. And in response, we receive his grace.